Amen. Good morning. So glad to see you this morning. My name is Drew Klein. I'm one of the pastors here at South City. We got our shirts on because we're excited about what uh, we're going to do this afternoon. We've got our trunk retreat coming up. We'll tell you more, a little bit details and stuff like that here in just a little while. But uh, so glad we get a chance, the privilege this morning to worship together here in the Lord's house. Let me ask this question. I got a question for you this morning. How many of you would consider yourselves directionally challenged? Yeah, McKenna's like, yep, own it. Yeah, you're directionally challenged. When you get behind the wheel, you're just really not sure where you're going most of the time. So that's okay. Time of confession. We talked about that last week. It's okay. Well, I've got a buddy of mine who is probably worse than you. His his name is Tim Bassanio. He's one of my best friends on the planet. We served at a church together in Franklin, Tennessee for a lot of years. He's still one of my best friends. I love him. He's one of my dearest friends, so I can kind of say this. You can say this about friends. He gets lost in his backyard. You know what I'm saying? He cannot find his. He would call me back in the day. He would call me from down the street from his house. I'm not, I'm not kidding. Man, I, I, I don't know. I just took a turn, and I'm like, you just go back on the main. I don't understand how this is so hard. So then they invented uh, GPS, right? And it was like a game changer for Tim. Massive game changer. All of a sudden, he had this strength. He didn't have to call me, he didn't have to call his wife you know, like every two hours trying to find his way back home. He had this amazing little device, right? It stands for Global Positioning System, and it's amazing because, because of satellites and different things, it triangulates your position on the planet. And so you know, it knows where you are at all times. And that, that's kind of cool, isn't it? It's amazing. I, we, we use them now all the time. They're in our smartphones. I use Siri quite a bit with uh, GPS. Some of y'all talk to Siri more than you talk to God, so maybe we need to be praying about that. I don't know. The thing I love about GPS is, is she's so nice. You know what I mean? You're driving down the road, and she's just so kind. She just, you know, she says, take a turn in 500 feet, right? And you're like, okay, I got this. You're going down the street, and then if you miss the turn, she doesn't go off on you. She just goes, recalculating. You know what I mean? Recalculate. She's so, she's so sweet. As, she go, as you go down the road, you've missed, and you miss another turn. Recalculating. Wouldn't it be funny if they had like a real life version of GPS? Larry, you need this, I think, in your life. So when you miss that, that turn, she's like, no, you big dummy. I said turn left. <laughs> Hang on. I'll find another way. Right. I think that would be awesome. I think it'd sell, but I don't, I don't know. You know, the thing is, is I love how God is kind of like uh, Siri in that way. Because every one of us have gotten lost at different times, and many of us are lost today. You still can't find your way. You still don't know which way is up. And yet God is so kind, he says, recalculating. You missed the turn a long time ago, brother. Recalculating. I'll, I'll get you there. I'll still get you there. Isn't that the way God is? He's so good. Listen, if there's still breath in your lungs, God will help you find your way home. It doesn't matter. If you're still living and you're lost today, lost in some sort of directional thing in your life, whether it be in your finances or in your marriage or in your faith walk, whatever it is, God will help you find your way home. He's a good God that way. Well, this morning we're still in our series called Life. And we're talking about the spiritual disciplines, these things that God gives us in our lives that if we'll 
make them a part of our walk, make them a part of our lives, we'll know him more and we can actually have the abundant life of Jesus that he wants to give us. But it doesn't happen accidentally, right? Life in Jesus doesn't just accidentally happen. We have to walk in him. We have to learn in him. And uh, spiritual disciplines help us do that. This morning we're talking about the spiritual discipline of guidance. Guidance, right? Uh, so the word guidance, is, it comes from a Hebrew word. And that word literally just means rope. So the same word for guidance is, is the same word for rope in Hebrew. So back in the day, if you wanted to go somewhere of any distance, you probably wouldn't walk. You'd probably get on a boat because most societies were in uh, coastal regions. So you'd get on a boat and you wanted to go this direction, you'd grab for the guidance. You'd grab for the rope and you'd lift up the sail and you would turn that sail whatever direction you felt like you needed to go and you'd catch the wind, right? Guidance. What it is is it's our listening to God. It's our hearing God and obeying him. It's not only, you know, this is what most of us do. It's not only just seeking God in a specific matter. How many of us are guilty of this? God, what job should I take? Or where should we live? Or what about this? Or what about that? We always seem to bring this one specific or two specific things to God that we really want to get serious. We really want to hear from you, Lord, on these things. It's, it's not just the specific thing. God is just not into a quick fix. Listen, when it comes to discipline of guidance, he wants to make you a person who understands his way. He doesn't just want to show you the way, right? He wants to make you the kind of person that is sensitive to what he wants and where he wants you to go, not just answer a question for you, right? He wants it to be a constant way of life that you are seeking who he is and what he wants of you. How many of you have said this before? God, what is your will for my life? Have you asked that before? I bet every one of us has asked that question. God, what is your will for my life? Well, I got some news for you this morning. God doesn't have a will for your life. There is God's will, and what we need to do is reorient our lives to his will. That's God's will. Somebody, I, I forgot this. I didn't know this for a long time. I kept saying, God, I want to go this direction. Would you bless me? I really feel like I'm, I'm led in this direction. Would you, would you bless me? And God's finally, he finally said to me, it's not about you, buddy. This is not your story. It's my story. It's about me. Change your life. Adjust your life. Reorient your life around me and what I want to do. And that's when you'll find your true life, your abundant life in Jesus. God gives us guidance in a couple of different ways. He guides us personally. And by the way, when we, we've, you know, we've talked about inward disciplines. We've talked about outward disciplines. And uh, now we're sort of in this last section of a few messages of corporate disciplines. And really, they apply to both. They're both personal and corporate. So God uses them in our personal lives, and he also uses them in our lives with each other and even as the church. So when we're seeking the Lord and for his guidance uh, in our lives, we can do that through Scripture, obviously. God wants to show us direction uh, through Scripture. He wants to show us guidance through reason. Scripture says, come let us reason together, right? He shows us his will through uh, circumstances. Sometimes you walk through something in your life and it's just like, well, I guess I'm going to go do that now. This thing happened and I'm not doing the other thing. You know, it's, it's real clear sometimes because of the circumstances in your life. Also by the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit speaks to us, but there's another way. He also speaks to us through each other. And that's the corporate nature 
of the, of the, the discipline of guidance. We have these things that we do personally, but then we also have each other to help us know the direction God wants us to go. Now, um, personally, you might be asking this question, okay, that sounds nice, but why is it a discipline? I mean, I can understand it's hard to pray sometimes. It's hard to, uh, to take time for silence. It's, well, if you hadn't noticed, it's also hard to take advice from God. It's hard to stop and say, Lord, this is what you have said is the direction you want me to go. These are the things you want me to do in my life. Help me to do those. When we stop and take his leading, his direction, we're we're walking in the spirit and and the discipline of guidance. And then we get sometimes in our place in our lives, we have to say, Lord, I'm just not sure. And that's when other people can come around us. Uh, It's a discipline because we don't want to do it. Guidance is a discipline personally because we don't want to take God's advice. That's just our sin nature. Lord, I want to do my own thing, right? The Bible says, Proverbs 21, 2, every man thinks he's right in his own eyes. (laughs) Every man thinks he's right in his own eyes. We want to do our own thing, be our own people, make our own decision. Corporately, it's a discipline because we don't want to listen to each other. Hello? (laughs) It happens, doesn't it? I don't want to know what your opinion is. I'm planning on going this direction. And so I'm just going to go. But the spirit and and the the discipline of guidance is for us to stop and say, God, is this exactly what you want of my life? And bringing it up to some folks who love us and will be honest with us and help us. Is this a good decision? And if they love us and they love God, then they'll help us to know the truth. Uh, When we listen to other people, we're trusting they have uh, a different perspective than we do. On the back of your card, we have a few notes this morning. I want to give you a few statements. I'm going to give you six statements real quick about knowing God's will, about following the Holy Spirit in our lives, about him guiding our lives. I'm just going to shout these out real quick, and then we'll touch on each one of them, okay? God wants us to know him. He wants us to seek him. He wants us to trust him. He wants us to follow him. He wants us to listen to each other, and he wants us to listen as a church with each other, okay? The very first one, you have to be a Christ follower in order to know what direction God wants you to go. I think we get this mixed up. How many people have you known before who <laughs> their life represents nothing of God? They're just, they live in sin. They, they, don't, they don't care about the things that they do with their lives. And then all of a sudden they come to you as a friend and go, oh, by the way, pray for me. I've got to make a decision of where I'm moving. And you're like, do you, are, do you know God? Are you... <laughs> Are you a Christian? I mean, I haven't been able to tell by your life. And now you want to know God's direction in your life? That's, that's kind of strange, isn't it? It happens all the time. People who don't know Christ, and yet all of a sudden they think, well, surely he'll help me with this big decision. We need to know Jesus as our Savior. It's not a quick fix. He's not interested in helping us with a quick fix. He's interested in changing our hearts. But how many times people want to just live in their own world, live in their own decisions and in their own way, and then when it comes to a major decision, oh, by the way, God, what would you have me do? Listen, in order to be guided by God, in order to be led by the Lord Jesus, we have to personally know him as our Savior. And we have to follow him in in the things of life. See, when when, when (laughs) when you push God away and say, yeah, I don't really want to do the things you've asked me to do. Then how dare we think we can come back to God and say, but about this big thing, what should I do? It doesn't make sense, does it? 
And yet we do it all the time. It's my, one of my favorite verses, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. You probably know it. It's such a good verse for guidance and, and the Lord's leading in our lives. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Trust in the Lord. Come to know him with all that you are, with everything. Trust in him. Don't lean on what you've known, right? Lean on him and him alone. In everything you do, acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. Some of us want to know what God wants us to do. Have we trusted him? Do you know him as your savior? Maybe it's something you did back at church camp a million years ago. And really your life has not really represented that of a believer. You're never too far to listen to the guidance of Jesus to come home. Never. But he wants us to know him. Listen, even in things in our lives that you may not consider, like what you watch on TV, he wants to guide you. He wants to direct your life and your eyes for the things that you see on TV, in movies, who you marry, obviously, right? The jobs that you take, where you live, how you dress, how you honor him with everything you are and everything you do. He wants to guide you in those things. And many, many times we say, no thanks, I think I'll just do my own thing. Good news this morning, we don't have to be perfect. <laughs> we don't have to be perfect. Listen, even in our sin and our brokenness, God loves us and he'll guide us. Psalm 25 says, he guides sinners. Is that good news this morning? He guides sinners. So what does that mean for us? It means we acknowledge our sin. We say, Lord, we've made a mistake. And maybe right now, even in this moment, you're saying, God, I've just been a long ways away from a relationship with you. Even in this moment, you could say, Lord, will you forgive me? I'm a sinner. That'll be the first step to God directing your life back to him. I made mistakes. I own them, like we talked about last week. I am a sinner. I confess that to you. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner. And the good news is, in Psalm 25, it says, he guides sinners. Praise God. Here's the second thing. Those who seek after God's will, they'll find him. And they'll find his wisdom that he gives. They'll find God and the wisdom that he gives. We have to know him and we have to seek him. Right? But here, let me just tell you some truth this morning. We're more interested, right, in our circumstances than the character that he's creating. We're more interested in the stuff that surrounds our lives, the circumstances of our lives, instead of the character he wants to create in us. Right? All the stuff that surrounds our lives that just, and listen, there's things in my life, there's things in our home, there's things in our finances, I would just, I wish God would change my circumstances, but he hasn't. And you know why? Because he wants to use those very circumstances to create in me the character he wants me to have. That's not always the most fun thing, right? We get so focused on what we want to do, things we want to do, the things we want to be about, and we forget about who he wants us to be. But listen, if you hear anything this morning, I want you to hear this about guidance. It's not just about a quick fix. Lord, can you help me answer this by Monday? Listen, God wants to create in you the type of person who walks with him and has his wisdom, who walks in wisdom so that when decisions come to your life, you can say, this is the type of thing that I think God would want me to do. Does that make sense? He wants to change your character, 
not just the circumstance of a, of a question or a decision that you have to make. Romans 12, verse 1 and 2. Now, as a worship leader, I've always loved this verse. I love quoting it, talking about the fact that worship is more than the songs we sing. It's the life we live. But what's so great about these two verses in verse 2, it really talks about being able to discern, being able to know the direction God wants us to go in our lives. Let's read it. Romans 12, verse 1. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, uh, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Listen, Paul's saying, when we live, see, most of the time a sacrifice was dead, right? And Paul's saying, no, let's turn this on its head. What if we sacrificed our lives as we live them? As we live, what if we're the sacrifice in how we live, in the things that we do? And by the way, when we do that, don't be conformed into an image or to a way of life of the world. And the way you can stay away from that is to change your mind, transform your mind, renew your mind in the things you see and think and understand towards the things of God. We do that through spiritual disciplines, by the way. And I love this in verse 2. It says that after we're doing that, after renewing our mind, by testing, do you know what that is? That's the circumstances you're in. By testing, you may discern what is the will of God. God is more concerned with the character he creates in you than the circumstances that surround you. And it's the testing in your lives. It's those circumstances that will create the character of Jesus in you. And it's through that testing you'll be able to say, you know what? I think this is God's will. And you'll be able to even discern. This says you'll be able to discern the good things, things that are maybe just acceptable, or even the things that are perfect. Wouldn't that be good to know? God gives us that sort of insight, that sort of direction in our lives that we can discern what's acceptable and good and even perfect when we're living for him and we're giving our hearts to him in such a way that we're not conformed to the world, but renewing our minds. Listen, we've talked about a bunch of disciplines. And when, I think when it comes to saying, God, how do you want me to live? What do you want me to do? Um, where do you want me to go? Questions like that in our, in our lives that are big sometimes, or even small directions. These other disciplines are very important. Do you think prayer would be helpful? <laughs> do you think uh, Bible study or meditation, biblical meditation, or solitude and silence, right? Fasting. What about this one? Submission. See, the reality is we will never follow God's guidance, his leadership, until we've submitted. We have to submit to God before we follow. These other disciplines are very helpful in helping us find the direction God wants us to go. Here's the next thing. We have to trust his heart to know his way. We have to trust his heart to know his way. What, what do I mean by that? Do you trust God? I mean, do you have a trusting relationship with God? Or are you still kind of an arm's length with God? Are, are, are you at a place where you can commit everything to him? We're going to look at this verse in a minute, uh, Proverbs 16. It uses the word commit. Do you know what that word means? It means to put all your weight onto something. My parents used to have this uh, ladder in their garage. You know, the thing that comes down from the, the ladder? And listen, it was an act of faith every time I walked up that ladder, I promise you. Because I'm not sure that it was rated for uh, 
well, my weight class, so to speak. And so that rickety old ladder would come down, and I remember I'd take a deep breath. Lord, I hope I'm right with you right now. As I, and I'd put all my weight on that ladder, and it was always like, you know, it was scary. I got a new one now, thank, thank goodness. But when we commit to something, we're saying, I'm all in. God, I'm putting all my weight, all that I have, all that I understand, I'm going to rest it on you. Do you trust God? He wants us, when we're, when we're following, he wants us to know him. He wants us to seek him, and he wants us to trust him. Do you trust God? Do you trust him? Have you, have you pushed all in? God, this is, this is all of my life. This is everything I, I know. This is all that I have. Because until we completely trust him, we won't know his way. We have to commit to him with everything, regardless of where he leads us or what he leads us through. Let's say that again. We have to fully commit to him regardless of where he leads us or what he leads us through. Some of you are facing some difficult circumstances. Some of you have walked through some really difficult moments in your life. Let me just remind you, God's will is not always easy. Sometimes it's extremely difficult. Do you trust him? Do you trust him? When we trust the Lord, we're seeking his will. Not just an answer, right? Not just the specifics to an answer. God, what's your will? I love this quote by uh, Elizabeth Elliot, the uh, wife of the martyred missionary, Jim Elliot. She says, We do not come to God asking for advice, but for God's will. And that is not optional. And God's fee is the highest one of all. It costs everything. To ask for the guidance of God requires abandonment. We no longer say, if I trust you, you'll give me such and such, right? Instead, we must give, uh, we must say, give to me or withhold from me whatever you choose. As John Newton says, what you will, when you will, how you will. When we begin to ask God, Lord, we want you to lead us, then the specifics of the answer begin to not matter as much when we trust him. When we trust him, we can say, Lord, what you will, how you will, when you will, the answer doesn't matter as much. I just want your will. I want to trust you. It's not easy. It's not easy. We don't ask God for advice. We ask for his will, and we surrender to it. I mean, has anybody ever said to you, hey, when you're trying to think through something, they said, well, do you have a peace about it? You ever heard that? Hey, listen, I've said it. Do you have a peace about it? I'm not sure that's the greatest advice, to be honest with you. As I, as I, look, at, um, as I look at even the life of Jesus, just think about this for a second, the Garden of Gethsemane. This is not a picture of peace. This is a picture of massive stress. He's sweating drops of blood and he's praying, oh God, if this cup can pass from me, please let it pass from me. But it's not the specifics of the answer. He just says, not my will, but yours. When we're praying for God's guidance, we say, God, not my will, but yours. And it may not be a peaceful moment, yet not my will, but yours. Maybe somebody said to you, hey, you know what, uh, just follow your heart. You ever heard that one? Oh, just, are you following your heart? Listen to what Jeremiah says about our heart. <laughs> he says, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked. 
Who can know it? Jeremiah's saying, listen, you don't even know how depraved and backwards and broken your own heart is. You can't even know it. None of us can. So we can't just say, Trey, just trust your heart, because sometimes our heart will lead us in the opposite direction of God. It's not just about peace. It's not just about following our heart, following God's will. We have to know his will and be convinced and committed to his will, regardless of where it leads us or what it leads us through. It may not be a peaceful time. It may be a difficult time. But I promise you this. He will be with you. And he is good. Amen? He will be with you. And he is good. Can I remind you of the story of Joseph for a second? I love the story of Joseph. Joseph was kind of a bratty kid. His, his dad... Uh, doted on him too much. He gives him a fancy coat, right? And all of his brothers hate him because he, he was just idolized by his father. And one day Joseph said, has a dream and he, he makes a mistake probably of telling his brothers, I, I had this dream that you guys at some point are going to bow down to me. Isn't that cool? And his brothers go, no, it's not. And they devise this plan on a trip and they literally sell him. They traffic him. They throw him in a pit. And can you imagine they just lean down in the pit and say, hey, Joseph, hey, um, do you have a piece down there? Are you, have you followed your heart? <laughs> Yet was it God's will for him to be in that pit? Yeah. And then he goes from the pit to Potiphar's house, right? And he is accused of rape. And so he's thrown into prison. Do you have a piece, Joseph? But yet he is faithful to God. He knows God is with him. And sometimes God leads us to difficult spots and through difficult seasons. But he is always good. And so Joseph, <laughs> Joseph just continues to trust the Lord. And in prison, he begins to tell people their dreams, what their dreams mean. And before you know it, Joseph has made his way into leadership over the entire country of Egypt. And then his brothers at some point show up and they actually do the very thing that his dream said they would do. They bow down before him. Do you remember what Joseph said to his brothers? He said, what you meant for evil, God meant for what? For good. Listen, I've had relationships in my life that I could say the same thing. Man, what you meant for evil in my life, God meant for good. And it wasn't peaceful and it wasn't easy, and I wasn't comfortable, but God was good. And in the moment, in the brokenness, in, in those places where I didn't understand, where God was good, he was faithful, and he was creating in me a character that was bigger and better than the circumstances that surrounded me. In fact, it was those circumstances in Joseph's life, right, that created in, in him who he needed to be to lead. If he hadn't walked through the pit and hadn't walked through prison and hadn't gone through these things in his life, he wouldn't have had the skill set and the ability and the opportunity to lead. Don't look at your circumstances as such a bad thing sometimes. Instead, we say, Lord, if it's possible for this cup to, to go away from me, that would be great. However, your will, not my will. Lead me through it, no matter where you lead me to or whatever you lead me through. But go 
with me. You can't figure out what he's doing in the middle of it. Sometimes you can't figure it out. But in the end, can you imagine Joseph? Can you see him in all his regalia? And his brother's there. And the moment where he reveals to them who he is, can you imagine his heart thinking, God, all of this was worth it. He couldn't see it in the pit. He couldn't see it in prison. But now he could understand it wasn't just about him. This was God's story. And God was going to use the brokenness and the difficulties of his life to teach us, to save thousands of people from famine. So many things. Here's the next thing. Seems a little counterintuitive, but uh, just listen to this. Christ's followers follow Christ. Real simple. You're going, okay, that's not the smartest thing I've ever heard. Christ followers follow Christ. This is what I mean. Is there something in your life that God has told you to do and you've yet to do it? Is there a direction God has said to go and you've, you've yet to go? Because Christ followers follow Christ. Maybe he's saying, listen, I want you to do this thing with this coworker. This week I had the opportunity to, to witness to a friend of mine. He lives in Phoenix, just happened to be in town, and we worked out a moment to meet and I just had to tell him I didn't want to see his soul go to hell. I wanted him to know Jesus and his grace and his mercy. And I had to explain that to him. And I wish I could tell you we, had, we, we, we prayed and cried and he walked away a changed believer. He all but ran away from me. I'm not kidding. It was, it was a strange meeting, but I think he understood. I think he heard that I loved him and that I cared for his soul and I wanted him to know truth. Is there something God has spoken to you to do? Maybe it's about your giving or about your finances. And you're just like, God, I want to trust you with a tithe. I want to give you this little bit that you've asked, but I, uh, I just can't. It's so hard. Uh. Do we trust him? Because as Christ's followers, we should follow Christ. And when he leads us, we go, right? Wherever he leads and yet so many of us just step back in reserve. You know, one of the things um, about following Christ, I want to give you a few, just a list of some things to consider. They're not on your bulletin this morning. But as you're considering what it means to follow, maybe it's in a decision, a big decision, or whatever the case may be, let me just ask you this. In this opportunity, is the direction God may be, this opportunity, is, is it, is it consistent with the call on your life? Is it consistent with what God has clearly shown you for your life? I'll give you an example. I was, when we were in Nashville, we had just moved there, and Lori was working. I was not. And, it, you know, I, it just it bothered me a little bit. I wanted to work. I wanted to find out what God's plan was. And I kept hearing on the radio that this car dealership needed salesmen. I thought, oh, I don't know that I should sell cars. But I, so anyway, I find myself in this big office sitting in front of this big desk of a car guy, of a big car dealership. And I'm selling him on myself. Hey, I've done this. I've done this. I could do that. I could do that. And he goes, sounds great. When can you start? How about next week? And I'm not kidding you. The moment he offered me the job, the Holy Spirit spoke to my heart. I'm not telling you, the very, in just a split second, I heard him say, when can you start? And I heard the Holy Spirit of God say, I didn't create you to sell cars. I mean, in the same moment. And I just sat there looking at him. 
did I just hear God say I didn't create you to sell cars? Yeah, yeah, I sure did. He's going, well, what, uh, what do you think? And I said, uh, <laughs> I said, you know what, I'm going to have to wait. And then he thought I was crazy. He's like, you sold me on the job. I was like, I know, but um, I have to wait. I've never tried to sell another car since. Is the thing that you're being tempted toward, is the thing that you're being drawn towards about making a decision, is it consistent with God's plan for your life? That was not consistent with God's plan for my life. And in his kindness, he spoke to me in that moment and said, this is not for you. And eventually I found something. Here's another thing. Is the spirit leading you in this direction? Is he, is he leading you to do this? Is, is the direction consistent with God's word? Because one thing we can know about God's guidance in our lives is this. He will never lead us contrary to his word. Never. Listen, sometimes in relationships, things can go south. One, one partner in a relationship can try to get the other partner to go in one direction. Or in business, one partner can try to get one partner to go in another. Listen, is the opportunity consistent with the word of God for your life because God will always be true to his own character and his own word. He'll never lead you contrary to those things. Have I prayed about it? I mean, have I really given this to the Lord and prayed about it? And then this is a, this is a neat one. I love that, that God gives us this, this aspect when we're following him. Do I desire it? Now, this is a little dangerous because some people will take this verse and they'll use it out of context. Somebody who really has no, nothing to do with God, they, they don't know him, they don't live for him, they'll come up and say, hey, well, the Bible says just, you know, if I delight myself in the Lord, it'll give, the, give me the desires of my heart, right? Let's look at that scripture, can we? Psalm 37, verse 3, says this, trust in the Lord and do good. Dwell in the land and befriend faithfulness. Delight yourself in the Lord, and he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your way to the Lord. Trust in him, and he will act. So what is all that saying? It's saying, listen, if you've trusted God, if you live for God, and your life is represented by goodness, if you're faithful, right, if you've committed your way to the Lord, if you're delighting yourself in him, then he'll give you the desires of your heart. If you're connected that much to the Lord's way and his will and his word, Sometimes we can make decisions based on what it is that our hearts want to do. Did you know that? And it's beautiful. Sometimes we get to a place where we're like, God, I'm not sure, but I love you and I trust you, and, and either way is fine, but I kind of want to go this direction. And the Lord says, man, go. Isn't that good? I love the, that aspect that God is so kind and he would give us the desires of our hearts. Proverbs 16.3 says this, commit your work to the Lord and your plans will be established that sounds a little backwards to me. It seems like it ought to read, commit your plans to the Lord and, and your work will be established. But you know what? God knows he's created in you a vocation, not just something that you do for work. So when I'm sitting at the car dealership, I, I said, Lord, I want to work. And I, I'm willing to work and I'm willing to step out of there. And then the Lord said, but this is not what I've called you to. I committed my work. And God gave me clarity and he helped to establish my plans. It wasn't there. He moved me in the direction he wanted me to go. And I, I love this too. The heart of man, this is verse nine, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord establishes his steps. I've, at any point in the day, I've got a million plans going on in my heart. A million dreams, a million ideas, but the thing that's so beautiful is God establishes our steps. 
Here's the next phrase I want you to look at on your card. Make it a habit to seek God's guidance through God's people. So individually and corporately, we're to know God, we're to seek God, we're to trust God, we're to follow God. And then there's times in our lives when we need to bring the body in. Maybe, and listen, as soon as you add one person, it becomes corporate. As soon as it's not just you, it, it's corporate. So it could be one friend, it could be two friends, but it may be a decision in your life. Hey, we're thinking about adopting. Or hey, we're thinking about moving. Or you know what, we're just not sure about our finances if we need to move into this house. Or what do you, you come, maybe this your small group. This is another beautiful example of what a small group does. They walk life together in these decisions. And they, they humble themselves before each other and they say, I believe that you might have a perspective that I don't in my life. And so I just submit to you that you may know something about my past, about me, about how I've handled things. What are your, what's your opinion about this thing that I'm considering? God's guidance is sometimes found in other people. And we can't see it unless we submit ourselves to each other. And we bear one another's burdens, like we talked about last week from Galatians 6. Proverbs 12, 15. The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. Proverbs 15, 22. Without counsel, plans fail, but with many advisors, they succeed. Matthew 18, Jesus says, again, I say to you, verse 19, it says, if two of you agree on earth about anything they ask, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered in my name, there I am among them. Jesus is even saying, you guys, you don't understand the power of community. That where two or three of you come together and you agree, maybe it's about the thing that you're trying to make a decision on. If you agree, then I am with you and I will bless that thing when you agree on it. There's power in community when we submit to one another. Mark Driscoll he says this in his book, uh, Doctrine, he says, if you are wise, you know how easy it is to fall into deception apart from the protective work of wise leaders and the insightful help of other spirit-led believers. You know, I was thinking about a year and a half ago when God began to really move uh, in my heart and moving here towards Temple. I went to go see our, my friend Donnie Parrish. And in that moment, I began to seek God's guidance corporately through Donnie. Because Donnie knows me, and he knew Temple. And he knew my past and my experiences, my gifts. He also knows my shortcomings, my mistakes, my failures. And he knows the history and the situation here. And yet Donnie was able to, to, to look at all that stuff and say, I'm going to help you make that decision. And we joined hands and we said, we believe that God is doing this. We agree that God is doing this. Here's the next and last phrase from your card this morning. We find God's guidance in other believers for our lives, but also for the life of the church. This is what I mean. In Scripture, we have different examples of the Lord guiding his people. Right In the Old Testament, he guided them through a cloud by day and a pillar of fire at night. It was real easy. You just kind of walk along and, oh, there's the, here we go. Not so easy anymore. There's also this really cool uh, fact about the priests in the Old Testament. They had in their breastplate this uh, thing called the Urim and the Thurman. 
And it was like jewels and, and I, people, scholars don't know much about this. But it was a, a system in which you could ask God a question and you could get a yes or no answer from God. That's kind of cool. And so there's different instances in Scripture where people could come before the priest and ask a question of God and uh, one of those jewels would light up and say yes or no. That would be kind of cool too, right? If we just had it here at the church and you just wanted to know what you need to do, come on down to the church and just ask God and the thing will light up and you can make your decision. That'd be amazing. We just don't have it. But we do have some examples of God moving his people, his church. Acts 13. I love the story in Acts 13. There's some leaders of the church. It says they're praying together, they're fasting together, they're seeking the Lord together, they're worshiping. And it's in that moment of worship and surrender and seeking the Lord corporately that God says, hey, um, I want you to send out Paul and Barnabas for the work that I've called them to. It was in that moment that God helped the church know about his plan and his heart for mission. And so Paul and Barnabas leave and they go on the first missionary journey to the island of Cyprus it's, it's an amazing thing that God would lead corporately his people to this decision, right? And I think about our story. I was just mentioning about Donnie. I think about our story. God laid this desire on my heart and this vision on my heart, and I didn't know what it meant, and I kept pushing it away. And I began to seek some counsel. And you had been feeling some things as a church. Lord, would you do something new here? Would you make us relevant? Would you help us to reach our community? But we don't know how. And then God brings us together and our vision, listen, our vision, make disciples who make disciples. That's our vision. It's consistent with the word of God. And so God is blessing. And then about a year and a half ago, God provided some money to the church out of nowhere and right in the exact moment that we needed it to know, Lord, is this part of your will? Tell me God wasn't involved. He was involved, he was leading, he was blessing, and to this day, he is blessing our church. Praise God. Praise God. He is guiding us. He is leading us. Listen, as a believer in Jesus, are you following him? Are you really a Christ follower? Are you, you listening to the things he's asking you to do and being obedient in those areas? He wants to lead you to abundant life. But we have to know him. We have to seek him. We have to trust him. We have to follow him. And sometimes we have to involve other people to get a true sense of where he wants us to go and what he wants us to do. But listen, when we surrender, he goes with us. Through every circumstance, he's with us and he's good. It may not be easy, but he's with us and he's good, and he's creating in us a character, right? He's creating in us a character that will honor the Lord and will help us in the next steps of this journey that he's leading us on. Maybe you've done things sort of in your own way for so long. You don't even know what it'd be like to, to get back on track following God. Well, that's okay. It's as simple as saying, God, I feel like I'm lost. And let God say, recalculating. I'll get you home. I'll find a way. I'll lead you. I'll direct you. 
And you know what? We're here for you as well as the body of Christ. If we can serve you, if we can help you figure out what is the direction God wants your life to go, we would love to serve you in that way. In just a minute, we're going to sing a song. Daryl and the team are going to come, and we'll stand down here, and we'll be that help for you if you need it. If you want to just come and pray, you can do that. But I just encourage us this morning to say, God, help me establish these disciplines in my life and help me to follow you. If I say I'm a Christ follower, help me to follow you. Help me to take the direction you've given me and be obedient to it. Would you pray with me this morning? Father, thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your word. Thank you that you love us so much that you literally lay out steps in front of us. And though sometimes our hearts' plans seem to go in a million directions and mine have, Lord, in your grace and in your goodness and in your guidance, you have established my steps. And you will establish our steps. And Father, we have to trust you in the middle of the seasons that are not comfortable. And trust that you truly are creating in us a character that will honor you. That you're preparing us, Father, not for this moment, but for the next. So would you help us to trust you? Would you give us faith to lean into you, Lord, to commit our ways to you, to to roll all of our weight into what it means to be a Christ follower, to what it means to be a part of South City Church, that we serve you, we love you, we're a part of small groups, God, we're, we're blessing your people. Help us to commit, Lord, so that you would continue to direct our lives in the way you'd have us to go. Lord, we love you. We surrender our will for yours in this moment. Would you please lead us? Would you please direct us? Even in this moment, would you direct our hearts? Some of us need to be directed to this altar. Some of us need to be directed to another believer. Some of us just need to fall on our knees and say, Lord Jesus, would you help me find my way again? Father, thank you for your grace and your goodness. We submit to you and we listen for where you would lead us now. In Jesus' precious name, amen.